Grab your Bibles. We are uh, going through a sermon series, if you will, on, on the book that we refer to as 1 John. And we're nearing the end. Um, and then we'll go on to another book. There's a couple we're, we're kind of praying about and probably deal with a few topics in between. So if you're, if you're just joining us, we typically will go through a book, um, deal with every verse and the topics that arrive out of those verses, if, that, if that's probably the, probably the best way I can explain it. And then in between, we'll deal with some topical type issues that, that we might be facing in our church body or in our world. Um, so we've been in 1 John for a while. We are in 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. Uh, we, we just kind of came out of this, this section where we talked about the confidence or the openness that that believers in Christ have to approach God in prayer, right? To approach God in prayer, to, to come to his throne um, in openness and confidence. And, and some of the implications that I think we've been wrestling with. I'll encourage you today, um, if you're not a note taker, I'm going to draw some different scriptures. The focal scripture is actually one verse, oddly enough, but we're going to draw on some other ones. So, what I'd recommend that you do is if you just listen to me and nothing else, this will do absolutely nothing for you other than waste 45 minutes of your time. So if you would, if you have a notebook, do that. If not, feel free to steal one of those envelopes or whatever to write down some of these other uh, scriptures, Ephesians, Galatians, some of these other ones will be in so that your Bible during this week, you could actually open it or click it open or whatever. Look at those things. And I pray that you'd be on this journey with us. And if you do this, here's what I'll tell you. It's been fun to watch the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit work. And what we're finding is across the board in our church and in other church, without an intentional human plan, we're dealing with a lot of the same things. Week after week, I'm encouraged because I have some of you come to me and say, you know, it's Sunday morning. We started talking about something. We came to it from a completely different direction, but we ended up in a similar conversation than what we had Sunday morning. And then someone's like, I listened to this guy in Texas, and he said something like what you were saying. I listened to this guy in New York. And what that is, is the Spirit. It's living in the Spirit. It's walking in the Spirit. And that is even a more powerful way than the simple manifestations of the Spirit within some of the brotherhood, right? So I encourage you, if you want to be part of that, do more with this than this morning. Does that make sense? Otherwise, you might get lost. So let's turn 1 John Chapter 5, verse 16, Lord, I pray that you would just lead us. Uh, you would use this to help, to correct, to encourage, uh, to build us up in Christ, drawing us closer to you, God, as we, as we draw near, and that you would empower us and strengthen us to be your sons and daughters and to walk this out. Lord, I pray for anyone who's hearing this, who's here or online, that's wrestling with whether they want to be part of the family of God, or if they are, that you would speak to them, that you would draw them in, that we would set these right expectations of this is what it means to be a son and daughter of God, just like John did for us in this letter. So use this for your glory and for building us up, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, check this out. 1 John chapter 5. This is the ESV version. If you have something different, um, we're, not, we're not like Bible translation version snobs here. Okay, so if you, there's not one holy thing. We got, 
all of these were not written in English to start with. Okay, so everyone translated, and we have, we have the wonderful gifts of we can look at the original language, okay? So we can all come to the truth together. 1 John 5. Let me ask you before I read this. So John wrote this. Did John meet Jesus or never meet Jesus? Met Jesus, right? Who's he writing to? The church, right? So these are people who believe, people who are gathered together. But some time has passed since Jesus ascended. And they started making a wreck of everything that Jesus did, right? Just like we do right now in our church today. So I love it because it speaks to us. 1 John 5, 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask. And God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. Pause. Okay. Let, let, me, let me stop a second here because the spirit just kind of, you know, was like, stop, Will. Stop here. Don't finish the book. <laughs> We're so close, guys. I know you're like, will you please stop with First John? Will, you're killing me. This is like people are pregnant less time than you're taking on this little five-chapter book. My kids grew up and you're still on First John. This is ridiculous. But check this out, verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin leading to death, what in the world does that mean? Anyone want to take a stab? What do you think that means? Persistent, unrepentant sin. First of all, I wanted to ask this. The word brother, what does that mean? The word here, right, First John was, we're translating ours out of a Greek version, right, that was translated into the one we're reading from. The Greek word that we're translating for brother is actually a combination of words that means from the same womb, the same source of creation. So your brother or sister, right, um, is the one who comes from the same created source as you. So that cannot be helpful because this term was used to refer to like Christian brothers and sisters, a biological brothers and sisters, but also it could be used at times for all of mankind, right? The, all the people in the same boat as me. But I would tell you based on the context here of what we're reading, who is, P, who is John writing to? I almost said the wrong name. Who is John writing to? Believers. And if we went up a paragraph, we would see that he's talking to believers. So this brothers, if anyone sees somebody in your midst, right? The brotherhood and the sisterhood, like if you see somebody in your midst and they're committing a sin not leading to death. What's a sin not leading to death? What do you, what do you think of sin not leading to death? What's that? Ananias and Sapphira. It did lead to death, right? They, they sold a property, were dishonest about the funds that they held back, and both of them actually died physically. And what's that? They lied to the Holy Spirit, it says. That's a great example. Now, here's what we have to deal with. And I think, and I, think I want to, what I want to do is I want to present both of these to you. Because what I think is a whole lot less important than, than what God thinks, right? And I've been praying about that and, and spending time like, Holy Spirit, teach me. Jesus, speak to me. Show me what you want me to share. 
And here's one thing that I, I realize. There's two thoughts on this, okay? And one says this. What we're talking about here, this death, and the word death does mean, right, it's like a, a disconnection from the source of life. So that could be a disconnection from God. It could also be like your heart isn't pumping anymore, so the rest of your body's not working, or you're brain dead, and so, right, all the things that happen to us. Um, it could be one of two things. Is John talking about sin that leads to death spiritually or sin that leads to death physically? You, are you tracking with what I'm saying here? It could be either ways because I, I believe in considering and meditating on this scripture that if we're not careful, we could, be very, we could use the scripture to be very damaging to the way that we see ourselves in the world around us. Um, let me, let me give you an example, okay? Galatians 5. Now, Galatians 5, it, let me read it to you and tell you why I, why I brought this up. So if you're taking a note, Galatians 5, this is verses 19 through 21. Um, it's sort of small print there, but Ephesians 5, 5, Ephesians 5, 5 says a similar thing. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 10 says a very similar thing. But I'm going to read to you Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Galatians, right, another letter written by a guy, Paul, used to be named Saul, to the church at Galatia. So Christians, the same kind of thing. And what he's dealing with is he's trying to let them know, understand. Chris, it's like you said, that kind of continuous, unrepented, unrecognized, you haven't moved away from that sin as a pattern of your life, does something to you. And what he's saying is, the people who live this way will not inherit the kingdom of God, which is really Christian code for you're going to be dead spiritually. Okay, allow me to digress a little bit. Okay, Adam and Eve, if you eat of this fruit, you'll surely die. They ate the fruit, they were still breathing. Okay, God's mercy, he didn't kill them. But what happened at that point in time, them and the rest of creation started to deteriorate. And that's where we're at today. Like I like to jokingly say, one day I was young, waiting to be the right age, and then I woke up the next day, and then I was old. There was never that right age to be. And you found the same thing. Your body is dying. Uh, the world around you is dying physically. But in that minute, and in that moment, we became on track to become spiritually dead. We were not connected with the source of life. Like our head had been removed and we were trying to walk, okay? Disconnected from God in that way. And God, and Jesus came to reconcile that. But if we want to continue to live in these things, what's going to happen to us is eternal disconnection or death spiritually from God. On top of physical death, which you just can't stop no matter how much plastic surgery you get, right, or how many sit-ups you do. It's not going to stop it. 
Now, here's the problem with this, okay? Those proponents who say what John is talking about is those sins, these ones right here. These sins right here. Mm. Is that true, Lord? Here's my problem. I'm on that list. I mean, code words, right? Like, okay, sexual morality. Yeah, guilty. Okay, I'm out. Who's going to preach next? Because I'm out. Don't pray for me, right? Oh, if someone's doing this, don't pray for them. You're wasting your time. That's what they think John is saying. Okay, I'm out. Let's see. Probably some of you guys are out. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, which my wife turned, pointed out to me. You know what, witchcraft? And I mean, there's witchcraft, then there's, then there's sorcery and all these things. And you know what the, the root definition of that is like? Pharmacy, pharmaceutical. So like, <laughs> I'm depressed, so I'm taking these pills. Okay, you're out. Do you have an affair? Out. Premarital sex? Out. Use drugs? Out. A fit of drunkenness? Out. Anger? Out. Selfish ambition? Out. Were you ever a VP of something? You're out, okay? Now, who's left, right? Right? Okay. That's the problem with that. And that's the problem with that. And one, what God is trying, I know what John is trying to show us is like, these two things go together. Once you guys understand as sons and daughters of God, what that means for your relationship with God, then it's going to help you realize what it means for your relationship with everyone else around you. And if you don't do both of those, you're lying to yourself and you're not really walking with Christ, okay? So in this, we run into that. What I want you to see from this is I don't believe that he is saying, hmm. You know, this person, like, you know, there's just so many things on this list in our society. Oh, you know, this person's living a homosexual lifestyle. They're out. This person uh, is in pornography. Out. Don't pray for them. That's not what John is saying. Okay? What, what Paul is saying is you want to keep doing that for the whole pattern of your life? The kingdom of heaven's not for you. But then also, Paul, same guy, I'm giving you another scripture here, Ephesians 4. And this is going to be, this is a little longer, verses 18 through 24. And I'll read that to you. It starts with what he's talking about is there's Gentiles, right, non-Jews, and then the Jews. And they're trying to interact with one another. So he's writing to Christians, and he's talking about how we're interacting with the Gentiles. And it goes into verse 18, and he says, they are darkened. He's talking about Gentiles who don't know Jesus. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created in the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. So what he's saying is, if this is what's happening with you, this Galatians 5 stuff, man, you need that prayer... And you need the people around you to say, understand, the people you see in this, 
first, let me, let me step back. If you see yourself in this, pay special attention. It's time to deal with this. That's A or one or bullet point one. Okay. Two, you see other people in that. This is what you want for them, that they were darkened in their understanding because as you begin to live life with people, what I can tell you is even in my little teeny brain, right? Okay? Even in my little teeny brain, in my little teeny understanding, I can see patterns in people. And so our hearts get hardened based on our experience. You see people who react because they're insecure in a certain way. You can guess what they're going to do next. And people who are abandoned act in a certain way. People who are abused act in a certain way. Those, those people with hardened hearts towards like, you know, like there's, oh yeah, like I'm the, I'm the 12th generation. And it's all men or all women and we, we control that I might have a hardened heart towards the opposite sex. I might be a woman hater or a man hater, right? My whole family is doing drugs. And when we, when we have a good time, we get out of our minds. And when we're sad, we get out of our minds. Like that stuff is coming for you. And you're going to have to rise above that. That makes sense? So the hope is what Paul is saying is like, guys, when you see these Gentiles, you don't sit there and stub your nose up at them because such were some of you. But you should be praying for them that they would leave that and come to a place. And so now I go back to 1 John. Let me read this again. And now let's see what we think he's talking about. 1 John 5, 13. This is probably what really sent me over the top to realize he's talking, about, he's talking about a physical death here. He's talking about a sin that leads to physical death. And here's why. Because this is, let's say I wrote you a letter. Well, let's say Corey wrote me a letter. And Corey, we're at like paragraph 11. And I'm like, geez, I don't know exactly what Corey meant. Um, I might, it might benefit me to look at paragraph 9 and see what he was talking about and keep it in context. Does that make sense? So that's what we're doing here. Let's go back a couple verses. And this is what John is saying. He's saying, I write these things to you who believe. So from that, I can get the brothers, right? He's not talking about just mankind. He's talking about those who believe. In the name of the Son of God. And that you may know you have eternal life. Okay, why, why is that so huge? Now we're going to get into theology, doctrine stuff. I mean, I know some of you are going to disagree with me on this, but you understand that we, we come up with our own man-made ideas around something. But th- let's just stick to facts, okay? Facts here is what John is saying is like, if you believe and trust, right? You have this confidence in Jesus Christ. He wants you to know you have eternal life that starts now. Another truth. In a culture like ours, where a majority of the people would say they believe in God and they're Christian, but they, they're not a biblical Christian. Does that make sense? Like, if you study the Bible, you'd be like, I don't really think that you believe what you say you're believing. Okay? I get this. This gets messy because it's like, well, just because they say they're a Christian, they're not. Well, just because you say a Christ, you're a Christian doesn't mean that you are either, okay? So let's, let's not get to that place. But what it is is you can't argue with this fact. Why are we trying to see how far I can get away from God before he gets mad at me? Like, that is stupid. What I should be exhorting you to every week is here is where God is. Get as close as you can. Come to the throne for his grace and mercy. 
when you run, does he hate you and he's done with you forever? No. Okay? But why see how far you can get away? So let's quit arguing about that. Let's come to this. John is like, I need you to know before you do anything else that God, if you believe in him and you're his son and daughter, you have eternal life that begins now. And this is huge. Don't forget this. And this is, because of that, you have this confidence. You have this openness to be real with God and not live a double-faced life, which is the tendency for every Christian. Right? The tendency for every Christian is to hide what you're ashamed of and put forth the part of you that you're proud of. But it's not real and it's not helpful to you or anyone else. And so John is like, guys, you have this openness to come before the God of the universe because you believed in him. Because of his son, you have eternal life that begins now. So even though your body's dying and you'll never have that exact day where this is, this is the perfect Day. You know, it's, everything's deceiving, everything's dying, decaying. If you don't get yourself, earthquakes happen and people fall and hit their head on a rock and you think you're Superman, right? But you're not. You just, a car hits you, you lose, right? And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything towards his will, he hears us. Do you see how he's building on it? It's like, oh man, you... You have eternal life, okay? Because Jesus, and because you believed and you trust in him. So, oh yes, grab that. And because of that, you have this confidence that you can communicate with the one true God. And when you ask in his will, like, he's hearing you. Even if he didn't answer yet, he's heard you. He's not a, a distant Thor, Zeus type of God, right? Throwing lightning bolts at you or a hammer or what, whatever. He is like a God who hears you. But he wants you to speak to him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. It's why he sent Jesus. And then why he even stepped it up another level and put the Holy Spirit, God, to indwell all those who believe. So when I read that, then when I go on to verse 15, right, I'm just like, ah, okay. Ascend not leading to death. Here's, let me tell you what I, what I think is happening here. Observation. Have you noticed this? We love to make like a title or program about everything, right? And the Bible doesn't do that. The pastor will. Where's that in the Bible? Zero. Okay. The baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Guys, that's, that's, we made that up. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's real. It's in the Bible, okay? So when we hear, ooh, a sin not leading to death. So that means there's a sin leading to death. What is that sin? Define it for me. Here's the title. Welcome, this is the sin that leads to death, right? That's not what it's saying. It's saying a sin, like you said, that leads to death. What he's talking about, the way, that I, the way that the Lord is reading this to me, that I'm going to share it with you, has to be set with this first foundation. Do you understand that all the sins that you commit, according, right, to Romans, what Paul wrote, Romans 6.23, all those sins are leading to our eventual death. Well, I'm dying of a brain cancer. Brain cancer. Well, I'm telling you what, man. That might not be your direct fault, but we've sure been jacking up for thousands of years as mankind, and you can't tell me all this cancer doesn't have something to do with that. Right? 
oh, we had sugar, we could deal with that, but then I wanted more. So now I have like a 77-ounce Coke three times a day, and then I got diabetes. So then they're coming up with some chemical to give me and put in my head instead of the sugar that I was eating too much of, and now that's giving me cancer too. But don't worry. Well, we found a new one, and this one might not give you cancer, but you're going to find out in 20 years when you die. I know, and that, well, you can't say that. Yes, it is. This is not God's way. We haven't lived God's way at all in a real long time. So do you see this? For the wages of sin is death. And the way that the Lord has been showing me and teaching me and wants me to exhort and encourage and shepherd you into is there is physical death completely and then there's death to things, right? You disobey God with how you treat your kids. Your relationship can die with them. You don't treat your spouse in God's way. Your relationship can die You don't treat your body, your body can die, right? So we know that all these sin patterns over time will lead to death. And even if not, the lightning might strike you, the hurricane might get you, the earthquake might get you, grandpa might fall asleep at the wheel and run you over. Like these things can happen. Coronavirus can get you when your neighbor just was like running a marathon with it and you're like in the hospital dying and you don't even really know why. So if the wages are sin, the wages of sin are death. But all life is a gift from God. Well, what do you mean, Will? Well, think about this. I know people, I know quite a few people I could tell you, their life ended like this. They, they took a pill. And it was a pill that they took to escape reality, right? And they didn't intend to do it. Or maybe they take a number of pills. And oftentimes they've done this before, but this time they did it and they died, like physically. There is, there's people who are like, I went into a public place and started shooting. Well, are you surprised the police had to shoot you back? I mean, your sin caused death. And what I see that, that John is saying is this. He's like, man, even though you, you're doing things right now that if you keep going will lead to your death or that if you keep going will lead to the death of a relationship, death of whatever, a job, right? You're stealing It'll lead to the death of that job. You cheat on your spouse. They may not be able to forgive you, death of your relationship. You abuse your kids that you might lose them. Even though your actions might be leading to that death, if it's not dead yet, what do you think your reaction should be? Yeah, but first, what should it be? Falling on your face. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I mean, some of you have stories like, oh, yeah, I took pills. You're alive? (laughs) Did you thank God? Because some people took it and they aren't. Oh, man, I was drinking and I got in a car and drove. You're alive? Thank you, God, because some, some people did not. 
Wait, I yelled at my wife? She's married to you still? Yes, your relationship didn't die. Thank you, God. My kids? I got too angry with them? I didn't listen to them? I forgot they talked to you still? Yes, thank you, God, right? I'm, you know, I'm 55. I didn't think I'd make it this long. I'm 75. I didn't think I'd make it this long. I'm 105. I didn't think I'd make it this long. Thank you, God. It has to start with that. It has to start with that, and then it goes to others, you see? Then it goes to like, wow, Josh, I see it, dude. If you keep treating your wife this way, this is, okay, I'm just picking on Josh because my friend, he didn't know this. is Public service announcement, this is not reality, okay? The way you're treating your wife, man, it's going to kill your relationship. A wrong reading of 1 John 5.16 is like, it's too late. I'm not even going to pray for him, right? Like, he's got to figure it out himself, right? And it's a good thing I'm so much better in how I treat my wife than he is because our marriage is still alive, right? That is not what it's saying. It's saying, like, you see your brothers. And see, he and I, because I know him enough, and I can assume that you guys are either on the fence or part of that brotherhood here, we can come to one another and say, you're still married, man. Thank you, God. Okay, and that's where it starts, right? And then, let me read something to you that I think addresses this. This is how we should look at this. And Josh White, he, he referred from the New Living Translation, uh, that, that version of translation of the Bible. And when I was looking at this, I took a look at some of the versions, and I thought, okay, what help, which words do I like here that are kind of helping um, based on those root words in, in the Greek that I'm looking at. But I, for this one, I just kind of like the way it said it. So I want to share with you, and this is actually, um, you can make a note, Galatians 6, 1 through 3, and you can look at it at the different versions. But once again, Paul, right, is they, they attribute this to Paul writing to the Christians in Galatia. Dear brothers and sisters, so he's writing to the Christians. If another believer is overcome by some sin, stop. If another brother or sister of someone, you see them being overcome by sin. And we like to think about like, okay, drugs, sexual sin, but control, man. You want to know what's poison in this building? Control and fear. Because I'm in your lives enough and I'm in my life, man. We are so controlling and we are so afraid. And I, we can go off on this. And this is like probably a two-year sermon series if I was to go off on it. But somewhere along the way, us men, right, totally usurped every role we ever had. And so our wives were left alone to try to do this and be the lead. And then what you see is this dynamic between husbands and wives, and you can see it all day long. And what it is is these, these people are left to, like women are left to be the whole controlling glue role in their household, and then it bleeds over into life. And then there's men who in their control, in their careers, they get controlling and they want to manipulate and control. And it is so hard when you're controlling to live in touch with this inner part of you, your spirit, your heart, your soul, right? Or, or as a woman, right? Your spirit, your heart, and soul, if you're so controlling. No one can get close to you. You'll never look at yourself. You never get transformed. The same with fear. Fear causes you to do all sorts of things. And the anger, and the violence, and the self-destruction, abuse, self-hatred that we're dealing with, a lot of that's coming from either anger or control. And the reality is you can be angry and control and be afraid most of your life. 
And it probably won't lead into your physical death until the anxiety that's overcoming our entire world makes your heart stop or makes you kill yourself, right? But if not, that sin can continue to go on. But what that sin, those sins will kill is relationships. They'll kill closeness. They'll leave you isolated, which often lead to other sins. You tracking with what I'm saying there? So you see this in the brotherhood, not only those big glaring sins, but that, whoa, humble yourself, dude. You know? Oh, man, listen. Quit talking and listen. I, I got to encourage you as my brother, as my sister. Like, I, I have this relationship with you, man. I'm seeing this. So dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, oh, man, I know my brother. He's caught in pornography and it's killing his marriage. Oh, man, I know my brother, and he's just, like, overcome with this addiction to alcohol or drugs. I know my sister, and she's, like, controlling everyone and everything, and it's, like, suffocating everyone around her. It's, like, overcome. It's become a defining part of her life. You who are godly, which I don't I, that word doesn't connotate right with me, but it's, like, those who are spiritual, some say, or those who, those who are following Christ could be another translation. So those of us that see that, that our eyes have been opened to that, It says you should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Help them back onto that right path. But be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the laws of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. That's my feel-good phrase for the day. You are not that important. I needed to hear that. So now I come back to that 1 John 5. Now I read it in light of this. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, they're doing it. They're, they're caught up. They're caught up in some kind of sin. And I know where this is going. I can see where it's going. I could guess where this is going. I could see what it's doing to them. That in the same openness that John was just talking about, that I can, I shall ask and God will give life to that thing that death is coming into. To those who commit the sins not leading to death. And then he says, but there's sin that leads to death, and I do not say that one should pray for that. Like, we don't baptize people who are already dead. Like, they're in the hands of God. Whatever his plan for them is, is his plan for them. And the person, your friend who took the pill, who died, um, you can't pray that they would leave that path of pill. It's over. You just pray that God had mercy on them, and they're with him now, Right? But if your friend's taking pills and did not die, that's the person you should be praying for. That's the person you should be trying to, trying to encourage and correct and, and, and challenge. Does that, does that make sense? This is what I'm presenting to you. And you can say, well, you're way off and you're being too much of a pansy and not being. No, the challenge with this is if we're supposed to be those people, right, in faith, then why don't we act like we have faith that God can move mountains and do miraculous things? But the religion of it, we end up taking verses like this, and then we end up saying, 
no, man, this guy, he's, all, he's struggling with pornography and like, I can't even go there. Or, oh, man, you know, Joey, he's struggling with same-sex attraction. Susie, she's not sure what pronoun she is, right? All this kind of stuff. And, and you catch yourself getting really angry. But once you do that, you are the one hope to try to come, right? Christians were the one hope to be praying for these people in your life, to hope that God would get a hold of them. And if they're a believer, then, then we have this kind of responsibility to come alongside them and speak truth to them in a loving way. If they're not a believer, well, I don't know if they're ready to hear what you have to say. Okay, well, well this is great. Give me the, what are the implications here? That's what I'm just like, Lord, how do we, how do we apply this? Because I, what, I'm, what I'm beginning to see, I'm not beginning to see, what I'm seeing, and it's just being reiterated and reiterated, is for me to exhort you to go do something. When you don't got the juice inside you to do it, it's just setting you up for failure. And that's the problem with religion. We've taken terms like testimony. And you're like, oh, I took a class at such and such church. I've been in those, right? Well, this is how you tell your story. and you're te- Okay. Like, that's a religious thing. Like, the testimony. Like, this is some kind of title. All it means is, like, what happened to you? Tell me why in the world Jesus is good and worth anything. And if you don't got a story, don't talk to me about it. Oh, I'm a Christian. Well, you're miserable and you're mean to me. Like, I don't want to hear that, right? Like, what did God do for you? Well, why are they miserable and mean to you? Because... They haven't let root what John keeps trying to tell them. They have not let the reality of who they are in the eyes of God. They've not let the reality of his love, his mercy, and his grace. So the implications here, the first thing I want to say, and this is for all of you, no matter what you believe or where you're at, consider, think about this. Think about Jesus' relationship to you and your relationship to him. And this might be an unpopular way to say it, but I'm just, I don't want I'm not here to play a game. Like, some of you can't even go past that right now. I know it because lots of days, I don't know if I can go past that. Consider your relationship with Jesus. You ever done one of those exercises where you just like, be grateful for what God's done? And does it work? Is it like, is it encouraging? Probably, right? I mean, I would just assume, I would just assume, right, that this is the same for everyone, but part of our biggest problem in our following of Christ day after day is the fact that we forget how all the amazing things he's done for us. No different than the Israelites when what God did to deliver them out of Egypt. They forgot so quick. And so for many of us, when, we're, when you go, go home and look at this first John 5, you know, 13 through 16 in there, and just realize this, wow, if I look back at my life, if I really look at myself, and I look at everything that's happened up to this point, how many times have I been involved in something that should have created death and destruction in my life? And maybe for a season it did kill something, right? 
But then God, rich in mercy and grace and forgiveness and power, while I was still stuck in that sin, sent Jesus to die for me. And then that same God lives in people whom in which by design God's using in your life now. And just be blown away. Just be blown away. Okay, take all the pressure to be better, to be perfect. Just be blown away by the God that did that. Okay. And I know this exercise can't be done in the limited time here. Second thing. And only from that kind of strength and security and safety. I don't even know the right words to put for it, but I can feel it. Only from those things should we consider how we're to treat the other brothers and sisters in Christ. And the danger is we've gotten away from trying to think of this as a country club, which is so good. But were any of you like far from God and someone yelled at you or picketed your place of work and now you're like, I'm a Christian now. Anyone come that way? No? Oh, man. They would say, the world's going to die, and I'm like, okay, I'm a Christian now. Did that happen? No. His forgiveness, his love, his patience leads us into repentance. Because of what he did for us, I don't want to throw mud in his face. If I was really living in the spirit connected with God, I would come here and say, oh, man, in the time I've been here, you guys should have fired me by now because I suck and I'm not good enough. But God, rich in mercy, put in your hearts a love for me and my family. And you didn't quit on us. Well, some of you didn't. Some other people did. And my wife, she's been with me since, I'm seven, since I was 17. In some ways, I'm only 17 and a half, right? And she's had to put up with that. And that's more than her. That is God himself who lives in her, who's made it this far. Like, and if I start looking in the spiritual realm that way, and I'm like, oh, Lord, what you're doing should just blow me away so much, man. I wouldn't take the pill. I wouldn't log on to the pornography site. Man, I wouldn't yell at, at the two teenagers who are, like, confused about their gender. Like, I wouldn't need to do that because God, so rich in mercy, loved me and came for me. And now only... If and when you can get that, then you can go to this next thing. Consider from that strength how we would, cre- how we would treat one another. Because whether you like it or not, this is not the only place where the brothers and sisters meet. And if you, this is the only time you interact with them, shame on you, right? Shame on you, frankly. You need to be around other people who believe like you at some point. It doesn't have to be one of the things that we're putting on, you know? But in that... You have a unique ability because you believe in the same thing. You are connected by one spirit, one God, one Savior, one record of truth, right? 
And in that unity, there are certain things that you do for one another. And we read these books, and because of our evangelism programs, we think we can apply the good and the bad to the people around us. The problem is it's only then in the third step that we as a collective group of believers can go out to our neighbors and those who don't believe. And so this system might come in here and let Will preach a really feel-good sermon so people who don't care anything about God are not sure if they believe in him or follow him are going to be like, that was a really great time. Can we go back? That is not how this was ever supposed to work. You know what's a great time? How you love them. How you are at work. How you are at play. Like, that's amazing. And it should be, evangelism should be really, and I know that so many people will disagree with me, but it really should be birthed out of your heart, out of the spirit inside of you, the way that you live. And sure, you can create opportunities to connect with people. You have an event. But if you don't have the right heart for it, it's useless. So consider how we should treat one another. When we look at these scriptures, we need to sit there and say, this is commands for the brethren. This is not the same standard I hold to people in the world because they don't have the same God as me. Let me illustrate this for you. I connected somehow with this group of people and, um, and these young people were super confused on gender stuff, right? And to be honest with you, it's it just straight confession of my weakness. It was like frustrating. Some things don't frustrate me, but that, I was just like, really? And it kind of ate at me for a while. And, I, and honestly, like, I knew it was wrong, right? I know it's crazy. And then I was asking God about it because the troubling thing is I've seen this group of people. And every time I see them, man, they're like the most excited in the crowd to even see me. Hey! It happened again this week. I told my wife. I'm like, what is up with this? Those people somehow were so excited to see me, and I'm like grumbling under my breath. Like, why don't you just look in the mirror and know where your gender is, right? Like, it's so, you just get to that self-righteous thing. But if you come to me as my brother, Corey, and you're like, I don't know, I might be a woman, then I should handle that in a different way. I should say, dude, let's go get a mirror, go to the bathroom. We'll straighten this crap out. Okay? We can take, you know... We could look at chromosome. We could do all. We we can figure this thing out. But to put that on them, wow! It's just prolonging it. I mean, you know, it's you know all the noise. There's a new noise all the time. Like you almost vomited when you watched the NBA playoffs two years ago in the middle of COVID, right? Because basketball wasn't even happening. It was just the Black Lives Matters commercial, like this court and everything. And you're like, racism sucks. But I was trying to watch basketball. What's up here? You know. But then the next year, it's like subtly on the jury. Well, yeah, I get it because the noise is over. But Christians will always find the current noise and get louder back the other way. And it does no good because you're applying principles you should apply in the brotherhood to people who aren't in the brotherhood. And the way that you apply it in the brotherhood should be done with grace and mercy and truth because you needed that too because such were some of you. And that's what John keeps saying. Don't say you love God. And don't do what he says. Don't say you love God and treat people like trash. It's not true. You're lying somewhere. 
You're lying somewhere. So this is a sweet reflective slide for you guys. Does that work? It's like water. I'm going to forget that Will just called me an idiot, and I'll just like... You know what would be really awesome? So I'm 42 and a half. I'm going to start using halves because kids do it, so why can't we? 42 and a half. And uh, it might be my last day alive, and I might be like so old I wish I would die someday. I don't don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, what if I could be the weirdest pastor ever and say things in weird ways that no one ever does that actually would help if that's what God wants me to do? So I'm a weird pastor. You might come in and never come back, and God bless you, and I hope that you find a better, more normal pastor than me. But what I would love to do is to actually, to the best of our ability, ask these kind of questions. And what I want for you is, is to give you an opportunity to really be the body of Christ. But we're coming against some tremendous things. Who here, let me ask you this question if you'd be willing to be transparent. Who came to faith in Jesus before you were like 16 years old? Right? Okay. So when that happens to you, you got a lot of bad things to unlearn because you just took it for granted as a kid. And so you're in that process wherever you are in that of of making Jesus your own Lord and your own Savior. So we have to constantly ask these questions like, what do you really mean, God. And if, and if that's you, I think it's so good to look at yourself and realize, man, that, that confidence you should have in the love that God has for you. And then consider how you should love those around you in the brotherhood and then the people in the world that aren't in the brotherhood. And, and let's do that together. Okay? But that's all doing. So for the, the end of this place here, I want, I want the worship team to come up and we're going to play We'll play a couple songs. Um, what I'd love you to do is just consider that first point. Consider the first point I'm making about implications here, and that is consider what Jesus has done for you. And if you don't believe and you were brought here today and like you're almost asleep, This is like where it should start for you. And I'm sorry for our really horrible job of doing this as Christians throughout time, right? But because of Jesus, because of Jesus, everything's birthed out of that, right? So I think where we can start now as a people is just to say, wow, the sins that could lead to my death, the sins that could lead to the death of aspects of my life, like, any place where I don't have death yet. Or a place where maybe, uh, like here's a common thing, right? Tons of people here have been divorced and remarried. Like I know that. And, and so stuff happened, or maybe you're divorced and not remarried, but stuff has happened and, and there's an ending of that relationship. And I, I don't want to speak to what the Bible is saying that. But let me just tell you this fact, okay? That it was sin that led to that on both parties' behalf, right? Can we, can we come to that agreement? That's facts and truth. But God, so rich in mercy, he 
still loves you. And the fact that you're here, and even if you ran from a time, for a time from the fellowship of faith, the fact that you're back is so awesome. So everyone in your life that loves God is so much mercy because even though there was death in that, there's been resurrection in life in other parts of your life, that, man, we should just be blown on our face. If you have kids and they talk to you and they're alive, like, thank God. If they're with him, then thank God that they're back home with him. If, if you have a, a spouse who had every right to leave you in the eyes of the world but didn't, thank you, God, for that. If you, right? if you have a job that you just know that God's given to you, if you have a home that you know, like whatever it is, if we can start with that place of the fact that God brings life to everything, even in the places where our sin would lead to death, that we could just be blown away and humbled at his feet and just say, you are God and I'm not and I'm grateful. So that's what I would love to end this time with here and we'll just pick up with more. First John next week. Okay. Let's let me pray. Uh, Lord, I we are sinful people, and I'm a man of unclean lips and unclean thoughts, and I'm weak and I'm I'm fragile and I'm blind and deaf at times. And and I'm not alone in this room of the brothers and sisters and the people and the men and the women here who are here in your presence, Lord, and listening to what John wrote a couple thousand years ago, Lord. And I just pray that you would let that take root in our hearts and that we would just sit and we would focus and consider right now your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness and how that's given life to us, even in places that we don't deserve it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead in this time, that you would search us and know us and draw out these things that would lead to true repentance and true love and true forgiveness. That I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.